Hello and welcome to the eBiomedicine podcast. I'm Dr. Peng Zhang, a senior editor for the journal, and I'm joined today by Dr. Alko Fischer from Center for Earth System Research and Sustainability, University of Hamburg, Germany, and Dr. Thomas Hovatis from Department of Medicine, Gastroenterology and Hepatology, University Medical Center, Hamburg, Eppendorf, Germany. We will be discussing their recent paper, Microplastics Detected in Cirrhotic Liver Tissue, published with us. Thank you very much for joining me, Dr. Fisher and Dr. Howardis. To start off this conversation, could you please briefly explain what are microplastics and what we currently know about their accumulation in humans? Thank you very much. So I'm dealing on microplastics basically in environmental samples since over 10 years now. So uh, microplastics are defined as plastic particles with a maximum size of 5 millimeter down to likewise 1 micrometer. And uh, these, uh, the majority of these microplastics consists of so-called thermoplastics that are plastics that weaken rapidly with increased temperature and that can be reshaped in this state. Um, in microplastic analysis, we find uh, most of the plastics that are also produced the most. Uh, that is, for example, polyethylene, polypropylene, which are often used for packaging materials, polystyrene, which is, for example, known in foam form as styrofoam or also from single-use disposable dishes and so on. Um, other dominant plastic consists of polyamide or nylon or polyethylene terephthalate, a very difficult word for German, which is PET, which you know from uh, drinking bottles, or uh, which also makes up the majority of synthetic fibers in clothing. Um, with regard to microplastic, one can further differentiate, for example, according to their origin, so whether they are marine-born or derived from terrestrial sources, or um, also according to their morphology, such as whether they are fragments or pellets, microbeads, very pearl-shaped, rounded-shaped particles, or even fibers, films, foams, etc., and another classification of microplastics would be related to their formation. Um, as so-called primary microplastics, we define the particles that have been intentionally produced in this size and morphology, for example, as production pellets, uh, which is the form in which the raw material plastic is transported from the manufacturer to the processing company that then adds like colors or preservatives, plasticizers and additives to give them their specific required properties. And primary microplastics might also be abrasion particles uh, that we know from cosmetics or high-pressure cleaning. However, by far the largest proportion of microplastic particles we see in environmental samples is created, is generated by the degradation of larger plastic parts, which uh, induced, uh, is induced in particular by UV radiation, but also, for example, by mechanical abrasion or so. Um, concerning the distribution, microplastics are ubiquitous in our, in our environments, in our marine and freshwater bodies, in sediments, in soils, in biota, in the atmosphere, and so on. And microplastics are globally ubiquitous, so they are reaching even very remote areas such as the high mountains or polar regions. And this omnipresence also means that microplastics are meanwhile part of our food cycle and that they can be taken in by humans, for example, through inhalation or ingestion. There is, beside the environmental pollution of marine and freshwater sediments, microplastics have... Um 
clearly become part of the food chain. We now that human food, seafood, sugar, salt, and so on. They are microplastics. And therefore, there is ongoing discussing, uh, discussion regarding the impact of microplastics on human health. From animal studies, we know that um, lymphoid follicles in the gut, in the, the small intestines, um, can lead to uptake and transportation of nano and microparticles to the intestinal tract. And as already mentioned by Dr. Fischer, it has also been shown in uh, animal and in vitro models that respiratory endothelial cells are capable of um, transporting inhaled nanoparticles via phagocytic processes. Um, with regard to humans, there were uh, there was one study which um, gained a lot of attention that was of the Viennese group, the stool study, where uh, microplastic particles have been detected in stool samples, um, indicating a involuntary oral ingestion of particles. And this was also confirmed by another group um, a bit later. Recently, microplastics have also been found in um, human bloodstream and also in placenta tissue, but up until now not in solid organs of this. Could you please explain the methods you used to identify microplastics in human tissues? Well, basically for the study, we were able to build on existing experience from biota research, uh, like the analysis of invertebrates such as mussels, snails, worms, and also analysis of fish. Um, this is because uh, the sample preparation procedure needs to be oriented towards the sample matrix itself. So sediment analysis, for example, require the separation of microplastic particles from mineral particles, which is not necessary for tissue samples. On the other hand, tissue samples consist of a high proportion of specific biogenic organic matter, which requires the use of different chemicals than those used for the destruction of, for example, algae or chitin or humic substances uh, that are predominant in water or soil samples. Um, in this study, the laboratory sample procedure started with this destruction of the biogenic organic matter, uh, which is the tissue in this case, um, using a digestion solution consisting of potassium hydroxide and an oxidizer, which is sodium hypochlorite in this case. And then in order to further improve the step uh, of purification, it was supplemented by further adding another oxidizer, which was hydrogen peroxide, and we added a degreasing step with acetone and finally transferred the whole sample suspension to ethanol. And this whole sample preparation for microplastic particle separation has to be done very, very carefully by choosing chemicals and temperatures that are efficient to destroy the biogenic material, but are also um, not aggressive and do not affect the microplastic particles themselves, as for example, strong acids or high temperatures would do. Um, well, to follow with our protocol, the resulting suspension, uh, we transferred them uh, into ethanol and stained them with a Nile red, which is a lipophilic dye. And then the whole suspension was transferred to aluminum oxide filters that were subsequently examined under fluorescence microscopy for potential microplastic particles. And then under fluorescence and the influence of the dye, these plastic particles appear bright yellow or bright green, depending on the wavelength and filter system 
system set up. And finally, we identified these particles. Um, we measured them for their dimensions and examined them under the micro Raman spectroscope for their material composition, meaning which plastic polymer the particle is made of, such as polyethylene, polystyrene, and so on. Could you please describe the microplastics you found in human tissues? Just to summarize probably the study that uh, we conducted, uh, we analyzed a total of 17 tissue samples and seven blank samples. Um, the tissue samples consisted of three samples each from spleen and kidney tissue and five liver samples from healthy patients and six liver samples from patients with underlying liver cirrhosis. And based on the results of the blank samples, that are samples that are treated likewise the other samples but without adding any tissue, uh, we could determine a detection limit of our method that is set to 3.0 particles per gram of tissue. And applying, concerning the results, applying this detection limit to the results of the tissue samples, we could not detect any microplastics in terms of this um, detection limit in any of the organs of the healthy patients. But the results of the samples from patients with liver cirrhosis, however, were above this detection limit and ranged from 3.2 to 9.9 particles per gram of tissue. That gives a median of 7.4 uh, particles per gram. Um, concerning the size distribution, the sizes ranged between 3 to 30 micrometers. These two values were active cutoffs within our methodological approach. But the majority of the identified particles are smaller than 10 micrometers. Uh, in mean, they are like uh, 8 micrometers, mean and median size. Um, very interesting findings regarding the polymer composition. We analyzed 56 potential microplastic particles by microraman spectroscopy, and the results show that polyvinyl chloride (PVC) and polystyrene (PS) are the most common, the most abundant polymers amongst them, followed by polyethylene terephthalate. And other individual findings were, for example, like polypropylene or so. When we compare this composition with that what we found in environmental samples, these, this dominance of PVC and PS is quite unusual in my experience. So in environmental samples, we find significantly more so-called polyelophines, which are lightweighted, less dense polymers, such as polyethylene, uh, which we did not detect in the study at all. So this is the first screening result that needs to be investigated and evaluated in further studies, but which is, for me, it's really highly interesting. Could you please explain why you choose to focus on patients with liver cirrhosis? The fact is we, in our first intention, did not focus only solely on liver cirrhosis patients. Um, as mentioned, we analyzed liver, kidney and spleen samples. Um, the background is that as mentioned, we know that microplastics are every, everywhere and therefore um, we have to um, suppose that microplastics are also um, a relevant pollutional factor of humans but also of animals. And there is already a lot of um, animal studies ongoing, mainly rodent mouse studies, which investigated the role and the capability of microplastics in the mouse model. It's bit easier as these plastic particles are um, uh, stained with a fluorescent 
dye with the color and for example um, in mouse studies microplastic particles which were fed to the mice have been observed in one example they used polystyrene microspheres and they observed the accumulation of microplastics in gut liver and kidney so this is sort of the rationale why we also have been focusing on these organs um, However, our special focus was on the liver, as the liver is a very important organ which also has a sort of a filter function, is an important metabolic organ. And in particular, um, if we assume that one of the central pathomechanisms is that microplastic particles are ingested involuntary and then are let's say, adsorbed in the gut or by the gut mucosa. We know that all the blood from the gut is then transported to the liver. Therefore, for sure, the liver here has a special role we have been interested in and we have been studied. With regard to liver cirrhosis, this is another um, important disease. Liver cirrhosis is a clinically relevant disease and a very frequent um, cause of death. And we know that patients with liver cirrhosis are suffering from several complications, which are mainly the consequence of portal hypertension. And portal hypertension is an increase in the pressure of the portal vein. And the portal vein is the vein that carries the blood flow from the digestive organs to the liver. So if someone assumes that microplastic particles derive from the gut, the liver is the first organ where the bloodstream is brought to and is filtered. I understand that the case number in this study may limit you to explore the detailed effects of microplastics on liver cirrhosis. However, uh, could you please provide some hypothesis on their potential functions in humans? Um, I totally agree that first the case number is quite small and this is a proof of concept case series. Um, and findings need to be um, reproduced and one has to be aware um, to draw valid conclusions from small case series. Um, regarding uh, hypotheses of effects on microplastics in the liver, considering the accumulation um, of microplastics in cirrhotic liver, the role is unclear. So there are two thoughts or two hypotheses which one could think. First, that microplastics could be the reason or could contribute to liver fibrosis or liver disease. This would be the one idea or the other that accumulation of microplastics is rather a consequence of um, the hepatic disease. However, this hen and egg question, we are not able to answer with our data. But there are some signs and some arguments for both of these hypotheses. So, for example, um, in in vitro data, it was been shown and others reported that um, microplastic exposure 
can lead to upregulation of fibrosis markers, such as transforming growth factor B, fibronectin, and others. And this was shown in rats. So if you feed rats with microplastics, um, fibrosis marker can be upregulated. These are weak signs, so we do not know if there is effect in this um, direction in the humans as well. Um, on the other hand, microplastic accumulation can be considered as a consequence of chronic liver disease. As mentioned, portal hypertension is one of the main driving mechanisms of complications of liver cirrhosis and beside development of ascites and portosystemic shunts such as esophageal varices, um, changes of the intestinal wall are also one of the features of chronic liver disease and portal hypertension. And these changes of the intestinal wall are leading to an impaired intestinal barrier function, somehow also known as leaky gut. And one could hypothesize that this leaky gut allows microplastic particles to migrate through the intestinal wall and then be transported to the liver. And uh, my last question is, what are the future steps of your labs for this research? Um, at, the, at our university hospital, there are currently several projects running um, which are studying the, the role of microplastics on the human health with a special focus on the immune system and immune function. So we know from animal studies that, for example, uh, inflammatory, pro-inflammatory parameters, interleukins and so on are upregulated and elevated in association with microplastic exposure and from animal studies we also know that for example increased rates of hepatic cytosis have been observed however these data are still sort of conflicting and controversially as some study groups could not reproduce findings of the others so there is still a lot to do from our part I can add on this uh, from the geoscientific perspective. Um, this study was an exciting journey and an extremely good cooperation, very interdisciplinary between geosciences in our case and life sciences. And personally, I learned a lot on this journey and not only in terms of sample preparation again, but also the potential impact on humans or how important this interdisciplinary view and related approaches are when addressing this very, really cross-discipline topic of microplastic abundance. I'm very sure that the investigation of microplastics and as soon as reliably possible nanoplastics is of absolute relevance in the future. So me as well, I'm currently in contact and discussion with several working groups, also from the UK uh, departments and uh, from different disciplines who want to pursue this very important topic further. And I'm very happy to be further involved. But nevertheless, as we all know, as always in research, such uh, studies are research intensive in terms of the materials and equipment used, but also and especially the staff resources. Therefore, I consider it absolutely important that the funding of such basic research continues and in my views absolutely needs to be expanded. Um, well, only then can such initial results or evidence as we provided with the study be verified and placed in the larger context of potential harms and risks uh, to human health in the future. 
That was Dr. Elk Fisher from Center for Earth System Research and Sustainability, University of Hamburg, Germany, and Dr. Thomas Horatis from Department of Medicine, Gastroenterology and Hepatology, University Medical Center, Hamburg, Eppendorf, Germany. You can download and read your, their paper for free from our journal's website. Thank you for listening.